This week's coffee is going to be San Rafael Fully Washed Bourbon. Yeah, you did hear right. everybody and welcome to In My Mug episode 191 um, and today you did hear right at the start hello Andrew Andrew's waving through the windows because he's an idiot um, so yes today uh, San Rafael again same as last week but this week we're going to do the Bourbon I was kind of thinking that if you had some of the pack ass left, then you might be able to try them side by side. Or at worst, your memory will be very fresh of the pack ass, and you will have a bit of insight into the varietal stuff. And I'm going to talk about varietals a little bit in a moment. So, um, yeah, first of all, want to kind of again about the farm, just in case you didn't see last week. Do you want a fuller, more in depth bit of last week's? Then go back and watch it. But this farm was started in 1905 by the father of the present owner, who was uh, the present. The, father was called Don Francisco Alberto Pacas Figueroa, ingrained in the brain. Um, and San Rafael lies at around about 1,400 metres above sea level, uh, uh, sea level um, near the Palo de Campas, which is located very near to the city of Santa Ana and the volcano, which you will see in the map bit, which I am going to rehash from last week. I do not have to redo the map bit for this one. Um, I think I should uh, just share that one with you again. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's a farm that I've passed quite a few times on the, way, on the way to other farms. It is in a hotbed of coffee. Now, in El Salvador, uh, there are some very, I don't want to say typical because they're not, but 70% of the crop that comes out of El Salvador is Bourbon, like this varietal. Other varietals that come out tend to be things like Bourbon, uh, sorry, I've already said Bourbon, but we've got uh, uh, Pacas, Pacamara, a little bit of Tipica, um, but mostly Bourbon. And there's a couple of reasons for this. So back in the uh, 70s, 80s, where everybody was ripping out Bourbon and planting new hybrids or um, uh, mutant coffees, which I'll again go into in a little while, El Salvador were fighting. Uh, there was a lot of civil war. There was a lot of unrest. Uh, for such a small country, it has... <laughs> He's really putting me off today. Sorry. Um, for such a small con country, they had lots of uh, internal strifes and, and hassles. And do you have any idea of the size of El, of El Salvador? It's around about the same size as Wales, um, with a population far greater. So, um, very easy country to get around, but also, say, stuck in this, this history. So while everybody else was ripping out Bourbon trees, they were left. Um, and then when they stopped fighting in the, like, mid-late 90s, well, late, mid, early mid-90s, um, people started to understand that Bourbon had some value in the cup, had some value in the taste uh, that it had, um, and they were in a great position to take, take full advantage of that. So, varietal. What is a variety? Uh, well, a variety is a kind of plant that has uh, either a DNA difference or has a visual difference and or DNA difference. 
If you think about wine, and I hate the wine analogy, I hate it with a passion, but the wine analogy, if I have a Chardonnay, I tend to know what to expect. Um, I tend to know that a Chardonnay is going to be kind of sweet, fruity, a little bit dependent on the process. So if you think about coffee processes of washed, put natural, natural, think about oak aging in wine. We have an expectation of what a certain wine of a certain grape varietal will taste like. Um, I expect a Pinot Noir to taste a certain way. Um, and and this, is, this is what varietals in coffee can and should be. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, but there's, there's an awful lot. And, and, and could be much more than that. So Bourbon is what we call an heirloom varietal. And what I mean by heirloom is that it, is, it can be found naturally growing as an initial plant. And there are two heirlooms that I really know of. Um, there might be others, but the two I really know of are Bourbon and Typica that we can trace back to Ethiopia. They have roots in, 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 in the indigenous place where coffee grows of Ethiopia. Um, from that, we ended up with plants mutating. So the Pacas that we talked about last week, the Pacas is a mutant. It's mutated from Bourbon into something different. This has happened naturally, and this happens uh, with plants all the time, that they, 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 they change slowly over time and, and turn into something different. So, oh God, I'm doing a lot of talking with my hands today. So that is another type. The other kind is, is where you get uh, two varietals and you put them together, and this is a hybrid. So they are brought together, and I'm thinking, for instance, like Pacamara, while we're on El Salvador, Pacas and Maragajib were spliced together to create a Pacamara. And this gives us the best of those two plants, allegedly, um, into there. And this is done by crossing seedlings, you know, crossing, cross, crossing them across and splicing together and also through the selective seed and picking and all those things. So these, this has been done for, for many, many years. There are many, many, many varieties of coffee. Um, and when I talk about varieties of coffee, I'm only talking about Arabica varieties of coffee. When we get to species, so we talk about uh, Robusta, uh, Liberica, and Arabica, uh, there, and there are many, many more species, which again has been... I, I, I did some research on this fairly recently, and I was shocked at how many species there were. I got to 75 and got a bit bored, but uh, there are lots of species of coffee. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of varietals. Um, so it's a complex, confusing place. But Bourbon, what I want you to know about Bourbon. Bourbon is typically a low-yielding plant. Or I say low-yielding, it's, it's an heirloom varietal. So it's probably normal-yielding, and all the others are high-yielding or, 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 or lower-yielding. This is the norm, really, I guess it should be with, as an heirloom. Kind of resistant to pests, but not particularly. So it has some issues with pests and with disease. Um, it is not a perfect plant to grow. It's very difficult, in fact. It can shed its fruit very easily in wind and rain. I don't know if you can hear the rain here, but it wouldn't grow very well here, for instance. Um, uh, it has a cup profile for me. Uh, tends to be very sweet, tends to be very smooth, quite balanced. Normally complex, has acidity, but he's not a dominant part of the cup. Um, and I'm putting neck on the line, probably one of my favourite varietals because of all of those things. Um, you find a lot of it in lots of different countries. It comes in red fruit, yellow fruit, orange fruit. Um, it grows well from around about 1,000 metres, so uh, means it can grow well in places like Brazil, right up to 2,000 metres. So 
places like El Salvador where you know you can get really amazing uh, amazing bourbons. Um, right, that's bourbon. I'm really guessing. So that's what we've talked about there. I want you to try them side by side if you can. Um, it, it's really interesting to cut varietals from the same farm, same picking, same process, just a different varietal. So I hope you'll be able to do that. Um, I think it's time for the map bit rehashed. Sorry. It's the map bit. No expense spent. It's the map bit. So here we are again. We're zooming out and on our familiar route across the um, Atlantic Ocean. My mental blocks there. So we're going across and we're going to go to one of my favourite countries. Uh, one of my favourite countries to visit, favourite countries to buy coffee from is uh, El Salvador. And you can see here there's a line. There's a line of places that we buy coffee from here. Uh, we've got El Retiro, we've got Santa Patrona, we've got San Jose, uh, Finca Argentina. But what we're looking at today is San Rafael, which is the closest to the Santrana Volcano, which you can just see to the south. Um, and we're doing some clever camera stuff here. So uh, in the distance there, you can see Guatemala uh, and uh, Nicaragua to the right. Um, and down to the level. Now, I tried to be clever with the camera for this, but... This chews up so much memory, and my computer didn't have so much memory to do. So um, I'm going to do the best that I can to kind of make it uh, change the view a little bit so you can see a little bit more, so you, and you can see the terrain. So this is on really on the slopes of the Santrana Volcano. Um, the, the, when I said in, that I passed this farm a few times, um, La Lujon is around about 200 metres up the mountain. Um, you can just see in the distance there, you've got the Nicaraguans, so uh, kind of that's how close you are. And then coming back round, you can see that you know, you've got La Fanny there too, which is just behind Retiro. Um, and more funky camera angles. So that is Guatemala to the left hand side there, and, and straight ahead, those mountains of Guatemala mountains. And that is the map bit. It's the map bit. No expense spent, it's the map bit. Okay, can I make up rehashing the map bit with uh, the Wheel of Death? So, come in Wheel of Death, and this week it's going to be Kalita Wave. You go, yeah, yeah, you did that recently, Steve. But can I make it better if I give you a brew guide? Hello, and welcome to the next in the series of the Has Been Brewing Guide. My name is Steve Layton, and today we're going to be taking a look at the Kalita Wave. Kalita is a Japanese brand of brewer, but one with a difference. Unlike other brewers, the Kalita Wave is flat-bottomed to encourage a more even extraction throughout the entirety of the brew. The wave-edged filters help push the filter away from the sides of the walls of the brewer and stop the brew from stalling. So, let's get brewing. You're going to need some things. Freshly roasted coffee, of course. A grinder. Scales. A Kalita Brewer. A carafe to capture the coffee, a wave filter, and a kettle. Step one, boil the kettle. Step two, place the Kalita Brewer on top of the carafe and place the paper in the top. When the kettle's boiled, wash out the paper. This will not only remove the nasty paper taste, it will also heat the brewer and carafe, killing two birds with one stone. Make sure you keep the wave shape 
by pouring through the centre of the filter. Step 3. Weigh out your coffee. I like to start with 60 grams per litre, but don't be afraid to experiment with new coffees to find what's good for you. I'm going to brew 400 ml, so I'm going to need 24 grams of coffee. Grind to a size that's similar for that of a Chemex. You want to feel the particles between the fingers, but to the eye it should look like powder. Step 4. Place the coffee in the centre of the filter and add 80 grams of just off the boil water and wait for 30 seconds. Slowly add the rest of the water and aim to have all the water in the brewer within 2 minutes and 30 seconds and definitely no longer than 3 minutes 30 seconds. If you're not hitting the target, coarsen up the grind and add more water early on. Don't add much turbulence to the brew and don't stir, just let it do its thing. Step 5. Enjoy. This simple brewer takes lots of great principles of brewing already established and gives a different cup to that of the other pour over methods. A worthy addition to your brewing arsenal. Thank you for joining me and I hope you'll take a look at some of the other brewing guides we've done. And do remember, life is too short for bad coffee. Badly prepared and no time to go find a spoon because this was going cool. Hello again, Andrew. So, the espresso. It's sweet, it's buttery, it's creamy. It's an amazing, amazing bourbon. Like, last week I love the Pacas, and for me, the Pacas is it's one of the highlights so far of this year for me. But this is a different kind of coffee. This is more, like this can be every day. This, this is much more of a, yeah, I'm going to have a coffee today. This is an everyday coffee. Whereas the Pacas is much more of a show off. It's much more kind of in your face. This is just delicious. It's smooth and sweet and just amazing. So into the milk. So now that typical Bourbon chocolatiness mixed with the milk, a little bit of a nuttiness, I think a little bit of hazelnut in there as well, and a creamy, buttery sweetness, which, well, yeah, it's a great coffee. Let me just go get a mug. I'm really well prepared again. Did you like the brew guide, by the way? It's brilliant, it? The guys like who do those for us are amazing, and we are so, so lucky to be working with them. We really, really are. So, Kalita Wave, I really like, I really, I like, I started off liking a lot, and now I really like. I think having a Chemex and having a V60 is kind of like owning two small cars. What's the point? You've got a small car and you've got another small car, and it does the, very much a similar thing. Whereas, this is like having an estate car because I need to move some stuff, or I, I want to, you know, go on holiday and put all my stuff in the back. It just gives me a different option. Maybe not the best analogy, and maybe when I do analogies, I should actually think about them before I do them, but you get the idea. Mm. So, in the brood, it gets a little bit more, a little bit more complexity. So the espresso and the milk, it's a little bit of a sledgehammer, whereas this is much more of a, you know, I'm getting the sweetness and 
the descriptor I used is the same descriptor as I used last year, and I, I think it, we, we were talking about this early when we were cupping it. It's just like a word that's original. If you don't know what a word that's original is, it's a, it's a grandpappy sweet. And I talked about it a little bit last week, that grandpappy's meant to give to their grandchildren. It's a very old-fashioned sweet, but it's just sticky, smooth, caramelly kind of loveliness. And it really is the closest descriptor I can think for this one. Um, I love it. I'm, I, I love the farm. I love the fact that we've got these different uh, varietals. And we've also got a different process of this bourbon, which is going on the site the weekend too. So there's just lots of ways to try this coffee from one farm, and, and, and we really like that. So next week, you may notice there, for those who can read that, uh, in my mug is on the road. Next week, I'm going to Canada. I've been invited to go and give a presentation in Canada for other coffee-type professional people, which I'm very excited about. Uh, never been invited to speak internationally, um, so it's going to be really cool. I'm going to do in my mug while I'm out there. Um, well, going to try anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it will go okay. Uh, but bear with me lo uploading it. So I don't know what my net connection is going to be like. I will do my very best to edit and get it up as soon as I can. But you know what these things can be like. Uh, the following week, uh, we're going to be at North Tea Power, who are in Manchester, doing our Live in My Mug with uh, uh, Alejandro from Finca Argentina. So it's the one week you will know which coffee's coming way before, because it's going to be that one. Um, but yes, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Uh, so yeah, next two weeks, fairly manic. And then I think I've got, I think the following week. Is it the following week? Do you know, it's going to be four weeks on the road because the following week I'm in Bolivia and the following week after that I'm in Colombia. So my life is going to be chaotic. And in my mug, maybe a little less organised than it. God, how do you do less organised than this? That's going to take some doing. But... Just bear with me. I'm sure there will be some fun along the way. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining me as always. And do remember, life is too short for bad coffee. Over.